Hello, friends, and welcome again to another episode of the Pilot Podcast. I'm Jared Cornett, joined by Matt Hensley, and unfortunately, not Alan Murray. He's taking a little vacation from the pod. Of course, I'm joking. He's not vacationing. He's working very hard doing ministry, but we'll hear from Alan again soon. But Matt, how are you doing on the, well, I don't know what the weather's like where you're at, but it's a beautiful day here in Texas. It's absolutely gorgeous outside right now, and uh, so we will be playing catch probably the rest of the afternoon once the girls are done with school because it's absolutely perfect. Love that, man. Uh, Things are great. You know, I love Texas weather outside of July and August Mm -hmm. and about half of September. The rest of the year, it's great. It's, it's the falls are very nice. The winters are very mild. The springs are delightful. Uh, So we're in a good season right now. I am coaching my son's four under T-ball team. So uh, we had practice last night, and there's not a lot of catch for four-year-olds. It's, <laughs> hey, you don't chase the ball after you hit it. You run to the bag. Yep. And, and so we're trying to teach them the basics of it. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. It can be interesting in spring. I've spent a couple of hours in a storm shelter before, mm-hmm. uh, or at least my family or my wife did at the time. It was just us. And, of course, I was outside watching it. And uh, then it got a little too close for comfort, and I did go inside uh into the so, storm shelter but yeah this has been my third spring in texas and uh, the previous two we we've had one tornado uh, up here in dallas and where i grew up in alabama we had tornadoes all the time i lived through a horrific tornado that happened uh, at the university of alabama in 2011 so we're, we're hoping that doesn't happen but I got, I got a question for you were your ears burning this past sunday right before you went to preach no well, we uh, somebody came up and talked to me at my church about you, you this past Sunday. He said, hey, I saw your Twitter and you uh, referenced uh, uh, Matt's Jonah book. And he started talking about your beard and how long your beard was. And he said, believe it or not, I've actually been to his church. I said, not when he was there, but I was passing through Mayhill one time. And I went to church there one Sunday, I guess, before you became a pastor. But we talked about you a little bit this week. And he, yeah, my, my ears were was burning for, for another reason. We, we had a visitor as a false teacher. Uh, that showed up and uh, oh yeah, this is a great story online. And uh, she she called down some hexes and curses on me and all this kind of stuff. Said I wasn't going to wake up in the morning, and uh, we're a couple of weeks in, and I'm still still surviving, not covered in boils or anything like that. So I'm pretty I happy. I told my mom not to do that, but you know, I know you you get your mom up here, you never know. I mean, you you get out of altitude, you know, people do funny things. That's true. So, That's but true. uh, but yeah, so. I love Texas. I miss Texas. I got to go back to Texas for the defense and see my dad. So that was, that was a blessing. And uh, we'll be uh, coming back through for our trip return trip from uh, Orlando, like right now, basically as this goes live. So now as we're talking, you, you can tell there's not a lot that Texas and New Mexico have in common, but there is one thing right now that New Mexican and Texan Baptists have in common. Uh, most people know that Texas uh, has two, state conventions our church is duly aligned with the uh texas baptist and with the sbtc and the sbtc has a brand new executive director and you guys are getting another executive director as well in new mexico now ours is nathan lork who is currently serving the colorado baptist general convention Uh, before that he worked for the sbtc for about six years doing evangelism and working in the office and he also pastored for a little while as well before he did that here in texas so he knows the area really well but you know to me i don't really know nathan i'm kind of an outsider when it comes to the sbtc just i haven't been here that long uh but anybody that has been in baptist politics or baptist life long enough knows jim richards and they know jim richards is a uh, 
really just kind of a, a prime example of a guy that leads state uh, a state convention, and he gave a uh, really great recommendation uh, for Lork and is excited for him coming on. I hope, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, um, and for him joining us here in Texas. And so we're excited, um, and we're going to spend this episode talking about, well, the change over there in New Mexico, and then how can churches be involved with the state convention, and, and should they be involved in state convention? So why don't you tell us what's going on over there in New Mexico? Yeah, so we we got a new one, and uh, for for the last I think ten years, uh, we we have at least the the ten years looking at the ACP reports and that kind of deal, we have added uh, one church to to the fold. Now, obviously, some have closed. We've had others planted, but we really have only one church to show for it, and uh, and haven't been the most cooperating state in in the universe. Uh, we don't pass on a whole lot to the cooperative program, a little under, I think, 25% last I checked. Uh, and so there, there has been, you know, some rumblings there, especially with the younger pastors of we need a guy here that is going to build bridges and work with uh, the various, you know, other state conventions, the entity leaders, all of that kind of stuff. And our new guy, his name is Steve Ballou. Uh, it's B-E-L-L-E-W. And, uh, and, but Steve Ballou, and I have, have met him, not, not in the executive director role, but as a fellow pastor role a number of times, and he loves Jesus, uh, is passionate about making disciples and soul winning. And, uh, and so I was excited to see his, his name announced in a part of the whole deal. And then a few guys that I know have already met with him in that executive pastor role, because one of the first things that he wants to do is meet with every pastor, uh, and, and not just over the phone, not just the, you know, I, I never had any contact before really with the, the state uh, headquarters there in Albuquerque, unless we pursued it, you know, reached out to them or something like that. And so this is, he really has that posture of, I need to get to know you guys to know what we need to be doing instead of here's what we're doing, either get on board, you know, whatever. And one of the last things he does in his conversations with people is what, what can we do for you? What, what can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I help you succeed? What, what is it that you need from us? And a lot of pastors do that when you start a church or, or begin in your church. It's like finding out, you know, do, do you really enjoy hymns? Do you enjoy more traditional stuff or, or contemporary? You know, what, what are kind of the things you think we need to be doing? in finding out what they believe from the front end and then maybe adapting your approach accordingly. Similarly to somebody that's going to step into a role as executive director, there's things we want to do and expect to do and plan to do, but we might be going one path when every other pastor that we serve, or in our case as, as pastors, members that we serve, see it this way. And it doesn't mean that what they're doing is right or whatever, but maybe how do we get them over here? Or, you know, how do we go with them? You know, that kind of deal. And so I see that with Steve in the way that he seems to really be wanting to reach out to the pastors here and really get a pulse for what's happening in our congregations. And, uh, and so, and, and you, you touched on the fact of being involved in it. Uh, you know, so Texas has a new guy, one simple way for Texans and New Mexicans to cooperate with the uh, conventions is just begin praying for them. That is a big task. In the case of Lork, he has some giant shoes to fill. Um, and Lork is a great guy. I know him a little more than, than you do. Uh, have had numerous conversations. He has a book that I think 
was required reading in each one of my uh, revitalization classes. And so I would talk to him about it. He's like, dude, that is so old. But I said, and it's so good. Like it, it is a really good book. It's dying to grow. We can put it in the, in the show notes. Uh, another thing is bringing them to, to your church. You know, I, I, I have a feeling, um, I don't know this directly, but I have a feeling that Lorik cares for a church that's 50, just as much as he does for a church that's 10,000. And if there's an offer to, to come out and, and speak, he's probably going to take it if he's available. And the same thing's going to be true here in New Mexico. Of course, all of our churches are under 100. Uh, it seems like we're, I think we are, last I look, I think we're like the fourth or fifth largest church in New Mexico. And uh, that's not really a good thing. Uh, but it's good for us, I guess, but we have really small churches. So he, he can go out anywhere and, uh, and serve and be a part. And, and that gives people a chance. And of course, you have state convention meetings. Uh, you know, certainly the main conference, annual meetings that they put on, uh, usually are just as much worship as they are business. And so your people may not really be excited about listening to budgets and stuff like that, but there's some great singing and some great preaching that they can be a part of and getting to see what what they are funding and what they're a part of as a church. Yeah, uh, I recommend to everybody, you need to be involved in your state convention. You need to know one where your cooperative program money is going. You need to be okay with that. Advocate on behalf of your church. You need to be involved on the state level on what you guys are voting on and what you guys are, are pushing towards. And you need to know these guys. Now, Nathan's office is a mile from my house. And so I might just pop in one day and introduce myself after you get settled in in a little while. But Matt, you, you hit on something here that I'm wondering, you know, we're seeing cooperative program money by and large trending downward. Um, more churches are sending less. Now, I'm sure church closures has a little bit to do with that, but it seems like more churches are keeping their money in-house and supporting missionaries and doing things however they want to do it. Do you think one reason for that is because a lot of these state execs have been out of touch, like they haven't had these relationships with these guys, and so they feel like they don't have this connection with the state, and so we're going to do things on our own uh, because we don't necessarily maybe trust the state or we don't have this relationship, and we don't know where everything's going. Or am I, am I kind of off base there? I think you're totally on, on base is no, you know, when, when I, I give a hundred dollars knowing where, what that is funding, you know, we know generally what's happening at our church, right? You know, when, when I give a hundred bucks, X number of dollars is, is going to fund salaries and the ministries of our church and, and the church plants that we serve or missionaries that we serve. Uh, when, when it then goes on from there, do I know as a regular church member what happens from there? Because a lot of times it's a communication gap of, well, in our case, $75 goes on to the state. And I just assume it just pays the executive director. Like, you know, you don't have any idea, like at that point where it actually goes. But even, even here, while in, in my opinion, far too much stays in the state, there's still a number of ministries that we support here from, you know, children's home to, college stuff where, you know, they, I think it's called Christian challenge, which is like BSMs or BSU. Uh, there's, there's some of that kind of stuff. And of course, church plants, but putting that in front of your people, because they, they will get excited about it. We talked about it with Annie Armstrong when they know the church planters that they're serving and, uh, and funding, they're more excited about it. So when, when they see that their funds are meeting needs in our church, in our own community, 
and also across our strait specifically, you know, actual names and, and faces with this stuff. And then regionally or, or across the country with plants and missionaries and stuff like that, they get excited. And, uh, and you realize that you're not just throwing money away um, and, uh, and it's actually accomplishing the Great Commission and uh, by, by being able to fund it. I think, so what are your kids' names? Andrew and William. Okay, so I, I thought one for some reason was named after Hudson Taylor. Uh, no, Andrew and, uh, Fuller and William Carey. Uh, okay. Maybe gotcha. the next one. Well, well, your next one will be Hudson. And, uh, but I believe he had the one that I will go down if you will hold the rope. That was William Carey. I, it was? Yeah. William, it's actually Fuller yeah. writes about it. Fuller writes about William Carey in that. Well, there you go. You've named it after the greatest quote of all. And uh, <laughs> after the Great Commission, but uh, you know, I'll go. Like I might not be able to go, but you can hold the rope, and uh, and we can be a part of sending and and helping them as they go. Certainly by praying and by giving, and uh, and so there's many ways that we can be a part of it. The you know, of course, we we're not really talking about local associations, but that's another way to really be a part of it on a local level. Y'all are in the DBA, I believe. Dallas Baptist Association, which is one of, if not the biggest association that there is, major metropolitan area that's really kind of a microcosm of what you have really across the country. Small churches, rural churches, big churches. I mean, Prestonwood's a part of it. Uh, First Dallas is a part of it. And so is the middle of nowhere pastor too. And so you kind of get a flavor of all of the SBC in one. And so they can get a taste of that with your monthly meetings or quarterly meetings, ours are quarterly here, um, you know, the different events that they put on, trainings that they put on, but it can really give uh, the church a sense of, it's not just Plymouth Park Baptist Church. I'm working also with First Baptist Grand Prairie, you know, 10 miles away in neighboring Grand Prairie, just like me here in Mayhill. I'm just as active as First Baptist Cloudcroft, and we have this same goal of advancing the kingdom and so forth. And, uh, and so you're right. I think knowing where it's going, uh, specifically with the people in the ministries, because they can get behind it and want to be more generous because of it. And let me ask you this then as well, along with that. So I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think you're right. Um, you talk about the DBA. So there's a big argument is the Dallas Baptist Association or the Houston Baptist, the largest in the country. There's a, there's a back and forth and there's a no agreement there, but Dallas Baptist, 500 plus churches. How many churches are in New Mexico, Baptist churches? 334. So we get more of my association than we get in your state, right? And this is yeah. in other states too. I'm starting to see this trend. DBA just hired a brand new executive director, Ryan Jesperson, out of DBU. Young guy, right? Nathan, uh, coming to SPTC, he's 39 years old. Do you know how old your new guy is? Uh, our, our new guy's a little older, uh, probably in his late 50s. Still okay. But the trend to me, we're seeing younger guys take on these roles. In the past, the DOM job or the whatever executive director, social associational ministry strategist, whatever you want to call it, was the retired pastor in the area. The successful retired pastor kind of takes it on. And now we're seeing these guys that have got a lot of ministry left in them, a little bit more strategic, doing things differently. What do you? What does that mean for the future of our state conventions? And even we're not talking about associations, but there's implications there too. Well, you, you certainly, and, and it's not limited to young guys, but, but generally speaking, you've got the guys that they, you know, they have the, the, that visionary leadership. I, I mean, we saw how quickly Colorado was turning around with 
churches being planted, really leading the way for a Western state. Um, and because very similar to New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, all of that. And immediately or very quickly, decisions were being made, vision was being cast and so forth. And a lot of people got on it and a lot of churches were beginning to be planted. And, uh, and so uh, on, the, on the side of, you know, the retired pastor going to the AMS role, that can be great. That can be phenomenal because you got a ton of wisdom coming to serve a pastor like Jared Cornett or a pastor like Matt Hensley that I can lean on if they're viewing it more than just this is my retirement gig and I'm just going to coast into, you know, whenever I'm, I'm no longer able to do it uh, and I'll just fill in a pulpit here and there, you know, that kind of deal. But if, if you have somebody that's 39 or 69 that is able to have a visionary uh, leadership and, uh, and truly get people on board and, and buy into a mission of, you know, spreading the gospel, emphasizing evangelism, disciple making, planting churches, really all of that rolls into one, uh, church revitalization, all of that. Uh, you can see some great things happening, uh, but it is exciting to see young guys really getting the, the chance to, to serve and to lead because they're doing a phenomenal uh, job. And I, I wholeheartedly believe Lorik's going to step into some giant shoes or really, is, in my opinion, is going to step into his own shoes and lead well uh, and has a great wealth of wisdom and insights in Jim Richards that's still around and will still be there to bounce off ideas. But he's going to be his own guy. And, and I, I believe, and I'm already seeing that that's, you know, the tone and everything here in New Mexico is changing too, to, to be more open and cooperative. And so you get that, can get excited about that and, and see us as part of something bigger. And so, so yeah, young, old, I don't really care how old somebody is, uh, if, if they can get people excited and on board and behind a mission and not just a cush job, then, then you got some exciting things coming to either a random association in the middle of nowhere or the middle of the Metroplex. And uh, so, so our buddy there from DBU has a great opportunity to lead well, uh, probably is going to be reaching out to Josh Ellis. Maybe they can argue about who's bigger uh, or whatever, but I think it's going to be a friendly competition, but more so how can we work together to see our communities and our cities and the communities around them, the suburbs, really be impacted uh, for the gospel. Absolutely. And I had something that I was going to say, and you kept around. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Obviously, we don't have a problem with age here on the public podcast. We have Alan Murray, like the oldest guy in Baptist life. <laughs> I know. Here, we just got to record before 5 p.m. so he can join us because, you know, he's got he's to eat those saltines and go to bed because, you know, it's, it's a hard life for him. Yeah. And uh, so here in New Mexico, uh, we, we always like to talk about a little Southern topic. So New Mexico is not Southern. Uh, but it is a little bit of culture, Southern Baptist culture, because New Mexico is, in fact, somehow a part of the SBC. And uh, so we are a part of it. This isn't a foreign mission field, though it seems like it at times. Uh, we are known for green chilies. And I asked you before we went live, you haven't had green chilies yet. Uh, what I'm envisioning is, is a bowl of chili that's green, and that does not sound appetizing to me. Not really at all. Uh, so Hatch... Uh, New Mexico is where it's really found. And these are, so in, in terms of what they look like, they're kind of like large jalapenos. And, uh, and so a lot of times it kind of depends on where, where you go. Kind of the, the staple here is a green chili cheeseburger. 
but there's also green chili wine, green chili coffee, green chili pistachios, green chili, everything else. So they put it on everything here. Uh, and uh, so it's kind of like throwing, like me, I throw sriracha on everything. Uh, but but here it's like you go out to eat, there's a green chili cheeseburger. And I kind of base my love of that restaurant with how they handle it. So there is a, up the road from us, Big Daddy's Cafe does a green chili cheeseburger where it's just they've sliced open the green chili and, you know, maybe grilled it or whatever and throw it on the hamburger in one piece and then usually throw some cheese on it if you want cheese or whatever else. And I hate it. It tastes good, but you take that first bite and you take the entire slab of green chilies into your mouth. And uh, so it's not that great. Here at the Mayhill Cafe, they chop it up and usually mix it in with the little jalapenos to give it a little more spice. But kind of depending upon the year uh, and the batch, you either have very spicy green chilies or some not so spicy green chilies. They're also red. And uh, so it's super confusing here and you never really know what you're going to get. In fact, uh, Kyle and I will go to a restaurant called Si Senors and they have the Wednesday special. It's my favorite dish in all of the country. And it has enchiladas, rice and beans, and a chicken fried steak. It's like the best of New Mexico and Texas rolled into one. And it's like a thin, lightly breaded uh, chicken fried steak covered with their green chili sauce. And there are times that I get it and I think I'm going to die. It is so hot. <laughs> and then there's times that I get it that I'm wanting to put some more jalapenos on it or whatever because it's not that hot. Uh, but that's kind of our thing is, uh, is green chili. And, uh, you know, Texas known for blue bonnets, pecan pie, blue bell, all of that good stuff. Uh, but, uh, but once you get up here, you'll need to try a little green chili. And, uh, so I don't know when you're going to, I don't know if, you know, you'll let me preach here. I haven't decided if I'll let you preach here. You know, I still don't <laughs> know if you've really become a true full pastor. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, anytime you come here, you can stay in our mission home and I'll buy you a, a green chili cheeseburger and let you preach. So would you rather have that or a Whataburger? Yes. So Whataburger has a green chili cheeseburger. They do. You go yeah. to a Whataburger here. So yes. And in, in fact, so that's the thing is, you know, that's what's weird is McDonald's or some of that, you know, wherever you're at, usually there are some regional things to it. And so you can go to a, a McDonald's here and get a green chili cheeseburger and it tastes like they put garbage on top of it. And it's horrible. Uh, but uh, I don't know if it's like 10 years old tea, green chili. I don't know. But uh, Whataburger, though, does get some fresh green chilies, and it is phenomenal. And uh, so you go there, and you look at the menu, and it'll look completely different than uh, Texas. Same color, same main stuff, but there's a definite flavor of green chili on everything. I will say this. If you're lucky enough to live near a McDonald's, though, that does the sweet potato pies in the fall. Oh. So Kyle, Maybe those things are good. Kyle, Kyle might love that, but uh, I, I'm I'm not a sweet potato guy. You don't like sweet potatoes? Interesting. Okay. No, All my right. so my favorite dessert though, and and this is probably only because of nostalgia, is the Miss Baird's cherry fried pies. That's my favorite thing in the world. My dad every day when he came home from the Lone Star Gas Company, he would get under the little counter, open up a box pull out one of his little deals and sit down under, usually he would sit down on the ground under the fan because he was hot from yeah. outside, you know, reading meters and so forth. So he would sit down, eat his little fried pie. I'd usually get one. And if my mom went home, I would be able to get one. And I would sit down next to him and eat one with him. 
And uh, so I still find them. And then Walmart now has these like mini pies. Have you seen those yet? Like mm. the tiny, like personal pan pie. And they've got like lemon pie, pecan pie, apple pie, cherry pie, all of that. But it's just like a pie. Looks like a pie that's gone on honey. I shrunk the kids and it's tiny and it's delicious. Those are good too. Now I'll make a good lemon icebox pie. So we were doing some demo yesterday uh, at the in the gym of our church with a burst pipe. So we demoed some carpet and tile and we took all the guys to lunch that worked. And so one of the guys and the older guys said, all right, everybody's going to run the table and say your names. We don't all know each other and your favorite dessert. And one of the guys' favorite dessert was vanilla ice cream. And I said, I've just learned everything I need to know about you. Yeah. You are plain, plain, plain. Yeah. So when I was in your neck of neck of the woods, uh, one of your former members, and I, I think staff members, Caleb Sutherland, uh, mm-hmm. who, who planted the church in uh, Las Colinas that I served, uh, he told the story of a guy that loved, and it, it could be that same guy, I don't know, uh, but a guy that just loved uh, vanilla ice cream. And he would go into Baskin Robbins and they would say whatever. I want vanilla, vanilla. Like just kept saying vanilla over and over. I don't want nothing else. Vanilla's fine. Just vanilla. What do you want in it, sir? Nothing. Nothing. Just the vanilla. Vanilla. It's like Ron Swanson or whatever. I I want all your bacon. I don't think you heard me. I want all of the bacon you own. This happened to me the other day at Saltgrass. I said, I want a steak. uh, And uh, it comes with a side and a salad. So just bring me Caesar salad. I don't want a side. Well, sir, it comes with a side. I understand that. I just, I don't want one. Well, yeah. we have to bring you a side. Why? Yeah. Why do you have to bring, just charge me the amount of money? Ah, it is what it is. I digress. Green chilies, Matt. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Hey, folks, get involved in your state convention. Get involved in your association. And come to the potluck next time. Hopefully you have your fill and have your full. Join us next time. Same Baptist time. Same Baptist hour. Get some green chilies, my friends, and stay Baptist. Stay Baptist.